Many of you may be aware that um, uh, iOS 17 came out, and there are a lot of new features for your iPhone, your iPad with iOS 17, but one of the new features is called a contact poster. So you can set up in your phone an image of yourself, like a headshot or a picture, and when you call someone else, if they've turned on that they want to see contact posters, your contact poster will show up and take up the whole phone rather than just a notification, a thumbnail. You'll see them right there, whatever they've chosen as their contact poster. And so uh, it's kind of like a headshot. And a friend told me about an artificial intelligence app, an AI app that's helping create these contact posters. So you put in a few photos of yourself and it pumps out various pictures of you that you can use as a contact poster. So I took four photos. These are the four photos I took. And these are photos if I speak somewhere and they want a picture of me for their program or their brochure or they're gonna use it on a screen or something. This is one of those uh, pictures. These are the four. Now look at those pictures. Look what I'm wearing. Look at the expression of my face. Look at all the different features about these photos. I fed it these four photos, and an hour later, it pumped out almost 100 headshots for me. And uh, this is just a collection of some of them. This isn't all of them, but this is some of the headshots that were produced <laughs> with those four photos. Now, my, some of my favorites of these are these. Now, do you realize how different these pictures are than the original four I fed in? This is incredible. I mean, the bottom right, I look like James Bond. I mean, <laughs> of course, a bunch of people came out after the service and said, you might not want to say that because you don't look like James Bond. <laughs> and then there were these photos that even had a, a cooler edge than those that were pumped out by this AI. This one, they said I looked like John Cena, um, which I don't even know who that is. And uh, this one is another Bond kind of photo. Now, this one looks like I'm a part of the mafia now. And the final one is just kind of this cool shot that I'm thinking about using for some of uh, those brochures that people want to use when I'm speaking for them. Uh, but my favorite three have to be these three. This, this first one is like uh, I'm a conductor of a major orchestra or something. Or, or this one where they added the hat to the photo. They even changed my glasses in these things. But my ultimate favorite of all of the photos it generated is this one. <laughs> I'm so tempted to send that along with my next speaking engagement somewhere. They might disinvite me when they see that one, right? Now, um, let me show you the original photos where all this came from again. All of that from that. Now, I was working on this uh, at a conference I was at this week. I was sitting in the back, head on my iPad, and a number of people I know who are friends came by, and they would just laugh so hard. They wondered what I was doing. They wanted to know why I posed for such photos like that, why I did that. It brought a big smile to a number of folks' faces, and maybe you found that funny, and we're in this world of artificial intelligence where we can't tell what's real, what's fake anymore, and it, it, there are a lot of things in life that can bring a smile to your face, and I hope that brought a bit of a smile to your face, a little delight this morning and the heaviness of life. And there are simple, silly things like that that we can laugh at and find some joy about in the midst of a world that's full of chaos and noise. But at the same time, we do need a deep delight, a deep sense of peace and joy in our everyday lives. And God has given us a gift from himself to us as his followers that he says is to be a delight in our lives. 
We're in the midst of a series of our core values here at Calvary, the core values that we established for our 2030 vision. Now, these are values that many of them we have held all along, but it's important in a world where a lot of ministries and churches drift away from their moorings for us to go back and understand what our core values are. And uh, today we're gonna talk about the second core value, which is delighting in the word of God. Last week, we talked about it's all about Jesus. If you looked at the, the uh, side of the room here to my left or your right, it was, we talked about it's all about Jesus. Whatever we do at Calvary, it's all about him. Now and forever, it's all about Jesus. That was core value number one. Then you say, well, that's such a simple thing for a church. It's becoming something uh, of a, a bit of an anomaly anymore if a church is all about Jesus, because it's easy to drift away from that. But this week, we're going to talk about God's people delight in God's word. God's people delight in God's word. If you want to open your Bibles or turn on your mobile device and go to a Bible app, we're going to be in Psalm 119. We're going to be looking at 16 verses in verses 33 through 48. You can open your Bible, go on a mobile device to Psalm 119. Core value number two, as a church, that value is that God's people delight in God's word. And as we explore this in these 16 verses... Here's the thought I want to capture our attention for this time together. When you experience the preciousness of God's word, God's joyful peace will fill your soul even when chaos fills your life. We know there is the living word of God, Jesus. It's all about him. He is the living expression of God, God the Son in human flesh. We talked about that last week. But the, what we know about him that helps us all have a common understanding of him comes from God's written word, his revelation, the Bible. And we learn from the book of Hebrews chapter four and 2 Timothy chapter three that the word of God is a living book. It is alive and powerful. It has the very breath of God in it. God breathed the scriptures. Now some people will turn it into just some sort of instruction book or some sort of manual for life or they make it a theological uh, discussion about the scriptures purely. Now there's a place for all of that, but, but that's not what God wants us to get and sense from his revelation of himself to us in written word, the scriptures. This living book is, is to be a, a source of nourishment for us, a, a a source of preciousness where we draw life from it and, and we experience God. You see, when you delight in God's word, you delight in God. When you delight in God's word, you delight in God. And we don't want to reduce it simply to a rule book or just something we debate the facts and information in it. We, we want it to be this sustenance for life. Now, Psalm 119 just in a bunch of different ways, keeps talking about how important, how precious, how wonderful God's word is. Now, Psalm 119 is an interesting psalm. It's basically in the middle of the Bible in terms of the 66 books. Psalm 119 has 176 verses. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. Has anybody here ever memorized Psalm 119? I see a couple hands, actually. I had to memorize it at a camp uh, when I was probably in fourth or fifth grade. I say had to. Well, they offered us candy and ice cream and all kinds of things if we memorized it. 
Um, but I still reflect back on someone 19 often while I'm preaching. Some of the things that I memorized about it will just sort of pop into my heart and my head. It's a, I've forgotten most of it, as I've forgotten most of anything I've learned at this point in my life. But it's a precious psalm. It's, it's uniquely laid out. I mentioned its length. It's actually about the same length. This one chapter, Psalm 119, is the same length as the Old Testament book of Ruth and the New Testament books of James and Philippians. This one psalm, this one chapter. And it is a, an acrostic poem, this psalm, Psalm 119. It has 22 stanzas, 22 stanzas. Each stanza has eight verses, and each of those verses has two statements. It's very organized, very parallel, and we lose some of its beauty in the English language, but it is a beautiful piece of poetry. And when I say it has 22 stanzas, what's interesting about the stanzas are that each stanza is one of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So if you open up your Bible or look on a Bible app, if you look at verse one of Psalm 119, you're gonna see either the word spelled out in English, Aleph, or you're gonna see the Hebrew character letter, Aleph, which is like the A, if you will, in English. And then you'll go eight verses, and just before the ninth verse, you're gonna see another Hebrew letter, which is the Beth, which is like our B. And so it is laid out that way. And so this has been used even into modern day by Jewish people to teach the Hebrew alphabet while at the same time teach the preciousness of God's word for us in our lives as the followers of God. So it's this beautiful, beautiful masterpiece that we have as we get into these verses, you'll see the beauty of this come forward. It just keeps coming at how precious the word of God is, how we delight in the word of God from all different angles. Now, throughout this entire psalm, you'll read words like law, words, statutes, judgments, precepts, testimonies, commandments. These will be descriptors that'll be used to describe the word of God. And I think Psalm 119 really does help us understand how we practically delight, find deep satisfaction in God's word. We draw nourishment and sustenance from it. Now, there are a couple of verses that many of us have heard that come right out of Psalm 119, some of the most popular verses of scripture. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path, speaking of the scriptures. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.89 talks about how mankind and demons themselves may try to destroy the word of God, but God has it settled forever in heaven. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. These are just a few of the verses that come from this incredible psalm. We're gonna look at 16 verses verses 33 through 48, and actually these are two of the stanzas in the middle here that we're just sort of carving out for a moment. It's the stanza, the one stanza begins with what is similar to our H, it's the hey in Hebrew, and then the last eight verses fall under the next letter in the alphabet in Hebrew, and that is the vav and that letter. So we're gonna look at two sections, two stanzas, because I think they capture the essence of the entire psalm well for us, especially as we want to have as a core value, not just 
uh, for us as individuals, but for us collectively as a church, that we delight in the Word of God. God's people delight in His Word. Let me mention one other thing about this series. We'll be looking at six values. As I mentioned, it's all about Jesus last week, desiring, uh, uh, delighting in the Word of God. God's people delight in His Word uh, this week. Is that for these six weeks, all ages are tracking with the same core values at the age-appropriate level, from preschool to elementary, middle school, high school, young adults, into our small groups. Even at Spanish ministry, our partner is looking at these same core values. And so um, it's important for us to understand that we're all in this together in these six weeks. So you can have a conversation with your children and your grandchildren around the, same, the very same themes. Now... Um, Someone has said this about the Bible that I think is so important for us as we begin this message. The Bible is meant to be bread for daily use, not cake for special occasions. It's not wrong to go to the Bible when you need comfort and get comfort. It's not wrong to go to the Bible and get some answers when you need some answers. But we're to delight in God's word. It's God's personal, intimate love letter and communication to us as his children. And so we're to draw our sustenance, our life, from it, opening it daily. It's to be our daily bread. How many of you, when you read a book, go to the last chapter before you decide if you're gonna read the whole thing? Anybody? I see a few hands sneaking up. They don't really want to admit it. I wanna look at the last two verses of the 16 verses of Psalm 119, and I want us to see this, this wonderful summary of these 16 verses as the psalmist expresses how he delights in God's word. Psalm 119, 47 and 48. I delight in your commands because I love them. I reach out for your commands, which I love, that I may meditate on your decrees. I, I've been praying this week, those two verses, for us as a congregation, for me in my life, for us as a church collectively, the local expression of the body of Christ known as Calvary Community Church, the people who have gathered here in, on the campus and online together, who call Calvary our home, that we would delight in his commands because we love them, that we would reach out and long, long for and want to know God's perspective and we'd love God's perspective and we'd meditate on what God has to say to us. And that would be the result of our time in Psalm 119 together. Now, the word delight, when we talk about delighting in God's word, dictionary.com says that this word means to give great pleasure, deep satisfaction, or enjoyment to. It's not just a, a silly uh, surface level smile or laugh or delight looking at some goofy photos created by AI. This is something that goes deep. Delight, it speaks of a depth of satisfaction. Now, some of you might be saying, all right, I've known the Lord for a few years and I've tried to open up at Genesis and read the Bible for myself. I had a lady come out a couple weeks ago who said, I've tried to read the Bible through several times. It's, it's, I'm, I'm stuck again. It, for some right now who are in the room or online, this picture of this desert might be how you feel when it comes to your relationship with God's word. Maybe it feels dry and parched. This is a picture of the Atacama Desert in Chile. It is the driest place on planet Earth. It's where uh, NASA tested the Mars rover because it's the place on Earth that is most like the surface of Mars. Listen to this. This desert, not all of it, but parts of it, get three one-hundredths of an inch of rain in a year's time. 
or moisture, I should say. Most of that comes from the marine layer that comes in off the ocean. So this is a dry place. And maybe some of you, as I talk about delighting in God's word, just kind of uh, sit back because to you, the Bible is inaccessible. And when you've tried to approach it, it feels dry and distant and harsh. And you really don't get sustenance in life from it. Well, I hope that will change as we see what the psalmist says in Psalm 119. Psalm 119 gives us, I believe, in verses 33 through 43, five things that help us delight in God's word. You can follow along in the notes that you might have in front of you. Of course, the points will be on the screen. You see, as you look at this section of scripture, you understand that you'll find deep delight in God's word when it, number one, teaches you how to live. It teaches you how to live. Verse 33 says, teach me, Lord, the ways of your decrees that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands for there I find delight. When you open God's word on a daily basis, just ask God to teach you, to give you understanding, to help guide you down the path, indicate that you desire to obey him with your whole heart, that you want God's perspective on life. You see, the word of God is God's perspective on who he is, who we are, how we can have a relationship with him, how we fit in the world, how we live in the world. The God who created us has given us instructions for life and how to live. A lot of people just like to hear or they like to gain information, they gain facts or knowledge and they take pride that that's what they know about scripture. But the scriptures are to be something we put into practice. James, the little brother of Jesus, said in James 1.22, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. It's a good thing that you're here this morning and, and you're hearing from God's word. It's a good thing if you open the scriptures daily. But an even better thing is if you take what you hear and you put it into practice and you obey the scriptures in your life. You'll find deep delight, deep satisfaction in God's word when you allow it to teach you how to live. Secondly, you'll find deep delight in God's word when it shows you what really matters. We live in a world where through advertising, and all kinds of voices in our culture trying to tell us what's most important. But the word of God, the scriptures will tell you what is important to God and what is important to him in terms of your life. You'll find deep delight in God's word when you allow it to show you what really matters. Verse 36, turn my heart toward your statutes, towards your truth, your word, God, and not toward selfish gain. I I'm turning away from that that would be focused on me, and I want what is important to you. And then he says, turn my eyes away from worthless things. We can get caught up in a lot of things that don't really matter. And when we open the word of God, it helps us know what is it that makes an eternal impact, makes an eternal difference? What is it about my words, my thoughts, my actions, my relationships that needs to be reprioritized so that I'm focused on the things that really matter, the things that matter to God? How long has it been since you allowed the scriptures to reprioritize your priorities in your life? Thirdly, you'll find deep delight in God's word when it makes you feel secure in the Lord. When you feel secure in the Lord, you'll have a comfort, a safety 
in him. Psalm 119.37, the last part of it, says, preserve my life according to your word. We move into verse 38 and into verse 39 and 40. Fulfill your promise to your servant so that you may be feared. Take away the disgrace I dread, for your laws are good. How does he take away the disgrace that could come in our lives, the embarrassment? You know, the most embarrassing, disgraceful thing is to live opposite than how God wants you to live. So how do you take away that disgrace? You find God's word to be good and sustenance and support for your life in how you live and how it secures you. How I long for your precepts, and then he says what he says at the beginning, in your righteousness, preserve my life. He starts this little section, preserve my life, and he ends it, preserve my life. Keep me through your word, let me know that I am safe and secure. It is God's word that both in the Old Testament and New Testament says that God says to us, I will never leave you or forsake you. It is through God's word that we hear those comforting words from God, no matter what. Jesus said it in John 10, nothing and no one can pluck you out of my Father's hand when you are one of mine. There's a lot of stuff in this world that when we rest in it, it really is pretty insecure in light of all eternity. But comfort and safety comes in knowing that we are God's now and forever when we're followers of Jesus Christ. It'll make you feel secure and comfortable. As you read it daily, those, those messages that I've got you, I've got you, no matter what you're going through, I've got you, I'm with you. Then there are times that we can even just open the word of God and look for comfort. When I was a senior in college, I was the head resident of the men's dormitory at the small Bible college where Leslie and I attended and where we met. And um, I had other responsibilities. I was starting to fill some pulpits when pastors were away as a senior and getting pretty busy. And it was my senior year. Life was pretty complicated. It was under a lot of pressure and stress. And it was my first time to deal with like peer-to-peer -peer criticism of my leadership from other guys in the dorm and stuff. And, and I was just starting to, to deal with the anxiety of uh, being a point leader or a leader of something and trying to wrestle through all that. And sometimes I get so frustrated and overwhelmed. Well, I, as the head resident, I had an apartment where I had a bed and a dresser, and that was pretty much it. I think there was a table in the kitchen area. It's kind of like a two-bedroom suite in the, the, the dormitory. I even, even had like a little uh, living room area, but it had no furniture. So I did what any good college student would do. I found a dumpster with some furniture in it. Let me give you a little clue. If you ever go looking for furniture on the side of the road or in a dumpster, uh, make sure it doesn't have fleas, ticks, mice, bed bugs, that kind of thing. So I found this chair in the dumpster, brought it in. It was a blue swivel chair. There would be times that I was just overwhelmed with my responsibilities and I was getting criticism as a leader and just starting to experience that peer-to-peer -peer kind of criticism. And I would turn up the lights and I'd sit in the chair and sometimes I'd just turn one little lamp on or sometimes I even just would use a flashlight because I just wanted it to be dark and quiet. I'd sit in my blue chair and I would just look for, flip through the Psalms and I'd look for a Psalm of praise or a Psalm of comfort and then just read it out loud to the Lord. And sometimes I'd just keep reading it out loud and, and letting the scriptures just speak over me and bring comfort and life to that, that place of fear. And, and that's what the psalmist is saying here is that we can find comfort and security. Preserve my life through your word. You want to have comfort and safety and security. Listen to what God says to you as his child in his word and hold on to those promises.
By the way, it was a blue chair, and I was in a blue mood. It hasn't always been a blue chair, but I still do that. I think now it's kind of a grayish-brown chair that I sit in. I just encourage you, maybe this week, some of you need to just open up the psalm, sit down, and let God speak to you. Maybe just read Psalm 119, all 176 verses out loud before the Lord, and watch the Holy Spirit take the Word of God and plant it deep into your heart as a child of God to bring hope and peace to you where you are. When we delight in God's Word, Part of that is we find our security and our comfort. He makes us feel secure in him. Fourthly, you'll find deep delight in God's word when it reminds you of God's unfailing love. God's unfailing love. A love that cannot be distracted. A love that is unconditional. A love that will not quit. It won't run out of gas. It won't let you down. The psalmist says in verse 41 of Psalm 119, may your unfailing love come to me, Lord. Just pray that part of this psalm back to God. May your unfailing love come to me, Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then I can answer anyone who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Anybody who questions me, anybody who struggles with my faith, my identity in Christ, anyone who disrupts my life, I know that no matter how they treat me and how I feel at the hands of other people, even friends and family, you love me and your love will never end. May your unfailing love come to me. When we were studying the life of David, we came across this word unfailing love. It's one Hebrew word, chesed. Remember that? Say that with me, chesed. Try it again, chesed. If you're struggling with it, just picture yourself having recently inhaled a gnat and then say it, chesed, it's kind of this. This word is used over 200 times in the Old Testament. It is perhaps the most beautiful word in all the Old Testament. It means love that cannot, will not ever end. If you know Jesus as your savior, you have been loved with a love that cannot, will not, ever end. You say, but look at my life, look at my circumstances. No matter what the chaos of the world around you, one of the precious promises of God's word to you as his child is that his love for you will never end. When you feel like it has come to an end, invite him to let his unfailing love come into your life. It'll be there. You just invite your awareness of it that you can sit and soak in it his love. When you, do, when you have a deep delight in God's word, it's when you allow it to remind you of his unfailing love. Fifth and finally, you'll find deep delight in God's word when it gives you hope in God's truth. When it gives you hope in God's truth. We live in a world where AI can take four photos and produce a whole bunch of photos. Some make me look a lot better. Some, as I sent these to my family, if you could see some of these up front, even the ones that make me look better, AI isn't perfect. One eye will be like this big, one eyeball is this big, and the other eyeball is this big. And my wife just wrote back when I sent her the collection of all these photos, she wrote, creepy. Um, <laughs> you know, there's even a way in which there's AI now that can take a voice and create a verbal message from just a sample of the voice. It's one of the newest phone scams that's being aimed at like grandparents, if you're a grandparent. They take the voice of your grandchild 
and they can make it say whatever they want it to say. It'll sound like your grandchild calling you, telling you they need you to go wire money, and it's all fake and false. We live in a world that's full of, of fake news, false identities. It's hard to know what's true, but God in his sovereignty has given us the clarity of his word that is true. And we can put our hope in what God says is true. Psalm 119, 43, never take your word of truth from my mouth for I have put my hope in your laws. I put my trust in you. Again, this world is full of false stuff and messages that really don't mean what they mean. A couple weeks ago, I got caught in one of these phone scams. I answered the phone, which I don't normally do when I don't recognize the number, but I was waiting on some responses to some things, and so I thought I'd better pick it up. And the person on the other end kind of convinced me they worked for a company I'd done business with and said that they had some of my money that they owed me. And I said, that's great. And I said, but I, this sounds like a scam to me. I, I, how can I be sure? They said, well, let me let you talk to my manager. They transferred me to their manager. And the manager said, yeah, this is free. This is money. It's really yours. We need to get back to you. Uh, by law, we're required. By the state of California, this is da-da-da kind of money, and you're supposed to get it back. Um, and so it's not going to cost you anything. And so they put me back to the original person, and they said, what's your name? Uh, what's your address? What's your credit card number? And I hung up. And I Googled the language they used with the company's name, and that company had a whole page warning about this exact scam. We live in a, in a really false world. So when you read the psalmist say, never take your word of truth from my mouth, for I have put my hope in your laws, your word, your truth, your scriptures. I hope you've put your trust in what God says, not what somebody says on the phone, not what they say in the news, not what a political party says, not what uh, media says to you, but you put your hope and trust in what God says. You'll find delight in this life. Notice it says, never take your word of truth from my mouth. If I had written that, it would say, never take it from my heart or my mind, because that's where I'm gonna keep it, right? But there's a way in the, especially the Old Testament, they looked at this when oral tradition was how you passed on family stories. There was no printing press. Matter of fact, this was true not only in the Old Testament, New Testament, but up until the Gutenberg Press about 500 years ago was created where people had to memorize the Word of God because not everybody had a copy of the Word of God. And um, in the Old Testament, it talks about keeping his Word in our hearts and on our mouths, not just to speak it, that's part of it, but the idea is that even as they would meditate on God's Word, they would actually say it out loud and mumble it so they wouldn't forget it. And if you get a security code when you're trying to log in, it says, we've just texted a six-digit security code to your phone, type it in here. And you look at your phone, it says 231-682, 231-682. And you, while you're going over to your computer to type in 231-682, you keep mumbling, 231-682, 231. You're mumbling so you'll remember, and that's part of what the, 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 the psalmist is saying here, is keep it right there. It's for memorization, but there's a second reason why the Bible talks about keeping God's word in our mouths, on the tip of our tongues. It's so that it's at ready to be used when we're tempted. When Jesus was legitimately tempted by Satan, he responded with the word of God. 
And so the psalmist is saying here, my hope is in you, I trust in you, to the point, keep your word ready so that when I run into the false lies of the evil one and the false lies of this world's philosophies and even the false lies my own flesh will produce, I'm ready to respond with the hope of your truth. It gives you hope in God's truth. You'll find deep delight when you allow God's word to teach you how to live, when you allow God's word to show you what really matters, what your priorities should be, when you find your comfort, safety, and security in the promises of God, when you're reminded that no matter what you do, God's word says God will never give up on you. His love will never fail you. And when you rest your hope and your confidence in what God says in his truth, not in the things of this world. Um, I mentioned that some of you may feel like that desert that's so parched and dry, and maybe when you open the Bible, that's kind of what you feel. It's interesting, in the Atacama Desert, I mentioned they get three one-hundredths of an inch of rain annually in parts of the desert, not all of it. But they do get a deluge where they get almost a half an inch of rain every so many years. In some parts, it's every 500 or more years of this desert, they'll get almost a half an inch of rain. You know how little that is? And yet that little bit will bring life to that deadness so that over the course of days, after less than half an inch of rain, a super bloom occurs in the Atacama Desert, a beautiful bloom that brings life out of that deadness. I just want to encourage you that maybe there was a time when the scriptures seemed alive and fresh to you and it's become dry and crusty. Maybe you've never been able to really open God's word and find that kind of beauty and freshness that's represented to that image after the super bloom. How do you go from that dry, crusty place where the scriptures just don't bring life to you to the place where it brings life and beauty and hope? Well, we've given you this card on your way in, and if you didn't get one, I'm gonna ask the ushers to have them available on the way out that they could hand to you, make available. But on the one side, it says, God's people delight in God's word, and then it says, four ways to elevate your love for God's word. I delight in your decrees, I will not neglect your word. And we're suggesting some resources here. Number one, check out our Bible resource page. This has some uh, Bible reading plans if you just wanna start reading the scripture. It's a great resource. Number two, take a class or join a group, a Bible study, a small group that focuses on studying God's word. You can scan that QR code or go to the website, uh, our website and the page suggested there. Number three, you can receive Calvary's five-minute daily devotional. Our staff writes these five days a week, daily devotionals, has a scripture and then some thoughts to encourage you in those scriptures. That's a great place to start if, if you wanna take some baby steps forward. That's a great place just to let the word of God begin to open up to you and let some freshness begin to flow into your heart from God's word and God's truth. And number four, start the 90-day Bible reading plan on the other side of this card. If you started this card today or tomorrow on the back and just started checking off and moving through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, this is a 90-day reading plan. If you mark it off each day, going chapter by chapter, you'd be done just about the end of the year. And so this, this can be a real tool to help you. And let me give you one other suggestion. If you've struggled maybe with a specific version that you grew up with or a version you've used, one version when you're reading large chunks of scripture, and that's why I used it quite a bit during the David series, it can be helpful, is the New Living Translation, the NLT. 
And uh, there are other great versions. Some versions focus on the technicality of words a little more, trying to be more of a word-for-word translation, and those are wonderful, and I use those, and those have a, a, a great place in our study of Scripture. But when you're trying to read a large swath and so that you can just let God speak to you and let the Spirit of God take the Word of God into you and your heart as a child of God, I would encourage you to look at something like the New Living Translation of just as even a little smoother in reading even than the New International Version that we uh, primarily teach from here at Calvary. But use this resource. Just start opening God's Word this afternoon, tomorrow. Allow God to speak in you. What will happen then if, if, if you are allowing God's Word to be uh, your, teach you how to live, what really matters, give you comfort and security in the Lord, remind you of his unfailing love, and you rest your hope and faith in what God says, not what the world has to say, what will happen? Well, the verses 44, 45, and 46, I think, answer that. When you delight in God's word, you'll walk in, number one, constant obedience. Constant obedience. I will always obey your law forever and ever. I will always obey your law. So if you read those first few verses, it's all about what we can delight in God's word regarding. Now it's the psalmist responding and saying, because of those things, those five things, I will always obey your law, constant obedience. And then the second one is complete freedom, verse 45. Complete freedom. So you move from constant obedience to God's word and what it says, to complete freedom. I will walk about in freedom, verse 45 says, for I have sought out your precepts, your instructions, your word, your truth. Now, it is very counterintuitive for us as human beings to say, if you follow certain commands and instructions, you walk in obedience to something, that by putting yourself under those commands and walking in obedience, you're gonna find greater freedom. But that's the promise of God's word, actually. It's counterintuitive. But hear me now, remember this, that downstream from faithful obedience is total freedom. How can that be? The God who made us, the God of the universe, who knows us, he wired us to have relationships, to think, to be physical, emotional, sexual, relational beings. He knows us, and he knows that sin has entered in and messed all that up. He's given us his word so that when we draw our life from his word and we walk in obedience to it, we begin to live the way he originally designed. Then there is this deep satisfaction, peace and joy that comes, a freedom that comes because I'm now aligned with the way God created me and I can have joy, peace, and freedom as I walk in him. Let me even mention that before you can even begin to walk in obedience and experience that freedom, you have to have freedom from your sin and from the curse of death. Praise God, God loved you so much, loved me so much, he sent Jesus to die on the cross to free me from my sin and forgive me. And Jesus conquered the grave in his resurrection to free me and give me freedom from the curse of death and hell itself. And so when you place your faith in Christ as Savior, you're forgiven of your sins, you're given new life in Christ, and you're now free to begin to walk in obedience to him. But if you haven't put your faith in Christ, do that today. I'll be in the lobby if I can help you and answer any questions about that. A care team is down front. Those of you online, or maybe those of you in the room say, I gotta make a decision now. You can just get out your phone and put the number 58568 
as the number that you're texting, and in the body of the text, just put the name Jesus, and we'll follow up with you. This freedom begins with a relationship with God through his son, Jesus. Make sure you know Jesus. Then as you walk in obedience, what the psalmist is saying, I'm gonna obey everything always forever. I'm gonna walk in obedience to you, and then I will experience this incredible freedom because I have pursued what you have to say about how life is and how I live it. Thirdly, it's not only constant obedience, complete freedom, but in that freedom then, we have confident ministry where we can share our faith with others, we can give a reason for the hope that is within us, we can serve people in Jesus' name just to meet their everyday practical needs. There's confident ministry. Verse 46, I will speak of your statutes before kings and will not be put to shame. There's gonna be a confidence when I'm walking in obedience and I have freedom and peace and joy because I'm living the way God who made me, designed me to live, even in the midst of this chaos and brokenness of this world, then there's gonna be this confidence to live in love like Jesus in such a way that I minister to others and bring hope and I serve them and bring joy into their lives. There's a confidence in ministry that comes. When you, when you truly find your deepest satisfaction in God's word, then you have this obedience, freedom, and ministry that allows you to live in love like Jesus in this world. That's why individually and in our families, we need to be delighting in God's word. God's people delight in God's word. That's why we, when it comes to children and student and adult ministries and every ministry possible, it's all saturated and undergirded and, and, and uh, overseen by God's word. Let me remind you what I said at the outset. When you experience the preciousness of God's word, God's joyful peace will fill your soul even when chaos fills your life and your world. Are you delighting in God's word? Are you delighting in God's word? Take this card. Pick one of these. If that one, after a week, isn't what you need, pick the next one. <laughs> if we can help you, reach out to us. People will say to me, I haven't heard from God in a long time. I've been a Christian for a while and I haven't heard from God. Someone has said, don't say God is silent when your Bible is closed. <laughs> it's taken a little further by somebody else. Complaining about a silent God with a closed Bible is like complaining about no text messages with a turned off phone. You gotta open it. Begin even by reading Psalm 119. Read, read one of the stanzas each day for 22 days. Take this card, get into God's word, find your delight in it. Remember I mentioned the, the desert of Atacama in Chile? I hope if you felt that way, in that kind of season in your walk with God when it comes to the word of God, that you can experience the beauty of life and, and blooming. But they say what happens when the moisture begins to come to this desert, that there'll just be a couple little single flowers that all of a sudden show up on this desolate landscape. And when you just begin to read the word of God, Keep reading because those little, those little highlights of life will come, but then a few more will come. And then it spreads and there are more blooms and more blossoms. And then you'll be able to look back one day as you linger in God's word daily and find your delight in what God has to say about your life in this world and your relationship with him through Jesus. You'll look back and you'll see God did a super bloom and brought life and delight and satisfaction into your life as you're delighted in the gift God has given us in his word, the Bible. Thank you, Father, for giving us this incredible gift. 
And I pray for those who maybe have felt a dryness. Maybe it's, it's felt desolate when they open the scriptures. Pray that they would take advantage of one of these opportunities, even on this card, to lean in. May they lean in long enough to see those little buds of life come and then it spread from there. Guard us from making the Bible an idol or seeing our aim as Christians just to have Bible knowledge. But may we lean in and find it precious so that we can walk in obedience, discover the freedom you want us to have as your children and have a confidence in how we serve and live in love like Jesus in our world. Thank you for Jesus and how it is the Word of God, the written Word of God that tells us about the living Word of God, that ultimately when we communicate to others the truth of our God, it's embodied in Jesus, and ultimately we truly speak Jesus over others in how we live and how we love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.